Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. A very warm welcome and good evening to all and welcome to tonight's installment of Beyond Governance. My name is Nemeth Mbele. What a way to launch the show today. I mean, how pleasant was that particular clip that you've played by the president. It certainly makes me feel like an African. I hope it certainly inspires you to embrace the spirit, not only of the poem itself, but the content. We need to reflect deep on what the meaning of that particular poem is. I'm, I'm, I'm actually quite excited. I hope you're also excited. But we need to go just a mere excitement on this uh, day of, uh, on the 25th May of, of, of May, as we are celebrating Africa Day and Africa Month, as it were. Uh, we need to really go beyond that and actually propagate the real program that will change the narrative of the part of the continent um, as, as a whole. Once again, Dumelang, Saubonan, Humanjo, uh, that's in Swahili, Bonjo, Asalem, Maleka, and Ola, of course, in Portuguese. I'm trying my utmost best to articulate all the languages in Africa, um, as it were, but trust me, I will not do justice, but uh, I hope you'll bear with me as I did my best to re- really bring forth uh, different languages, as it were. Uh, you might know that, um, you know, back in 2010, in 2010, uh, we had 53 countries in, in, in the continent. Uh, however, in 2011, the new baby in the name of South Sudan was born, which brought, uh, the, which brought the tally to all about 54 countries, as, as we now know. Um, the reality is that Africa was not the only continent which had which saw emerging or new countries. Uh, you might recall in Europe, for an example, we had Kosovo back in 2008, Serbia in 2006, uh, as well as Slovakia in 1993. Clearly, uh, you know the, the 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 pattern or the trajectory of uh, emerging countries. Uh, are not unique in Africa. Hopefully, uh, we would, uh, you know, uh, not see as many, uh, rather than the consolidation, uh, of, of the continent as it were. Uh, if you've missed our show last time, uh, you know, not to worry, do please revisit our website, uh, which is www.hi.com and retrieve um, some of the podcasts that you think are quite useful for our purposes, as it were. You want to engage us tonight. Uh, we are on 34519. And of course, I do take your issues, your comments, your contribution via the uh, Twitter handle, which is at Mbele and Nimrod. Um, as we proceed, uh, let me just firstly acknowledge those that can perform me. Someone, thank you very much for a job well done. Uh, they are back on your radio tomorrow, um, doing exactly what they did uh, uh, you know, today, possibly with a bit of a, uh, a, a new ones, as it were. Uh, as you know, I'm not Franz Solo. I have the producer of the show, Vusi, as well as Tabisa. Colleagues, thank you very much for putting together the show and the intro that you just did. Uh, I'm quite excited. I hope the listener out there is equally excited about how we started the show. Uh, moving on very swiftly, what we have on tonight on the menu, uh, we're going to reflect in the main on the state capture. Uh, you, you might be aware there's been interesting developments over the past week or so. We will delve into these and really make sense of their wide implications for the, for the country as we are grappling with contamination. 
contamination being the operative way in private and public sector. Uh, while, you know, I, I think it's quite important because when we deal with contamination, the, the dominant narrative in the public sector is that of corruption. Uh, and, and it takes two to tango, as it were. There's a corruptor and a corruptee. Um, you know, the corruptee is obviously the person who is part and parcel of a formula. You know, um, a corruptee tends to be uh, uh, either a, a private sector individual or a public sector official who manipulate information to benefit a specific individual. So, so, so it's quite important as we debunk these issues that we are very clear that South Africa has a, is cancerous and corruption cuts across. Corruption find expressions in the main, both private sector and public sector. So, for as long as we 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 don't get our thought processes accurately on the relationship, you know, generally corrupt relationship between private sector and private sector will continuously point the finger in one direction. And that's not, that cannot be correct. You know, we, we all have to take responsibility. So the second item on our menu is that of how do we emancipate Africa? You know, uh, I'll be joined online by, uh, you know, a, a colleague, Unati, Tonensi, who is the director at, at Nehemia Engineering Services or Consulting Services, to give us a perspective on, as we are celebrating African Emancipation or Africa, Africa Day, Africa Month, what does it really mean? So you can imagine there's quite a big, there's quite a lot of issues that we have in store for you. Um, um, and please don't forget our SMS line is 34519. The telegram is 0618951019. If you have views and thoughts in respect to the issues that we're going to talk about. Without any waste of time, let me take this opportunity to welcome, uh, you know, Onati, who is the director at Nehemiah Engineering Consulting. Sabana Putin, welcome to the show. Uh, good evening, Dr. Nimrod. Thank you so much and, and thank you for welcoming me. You're most welcome, Dada. Which part of Africa um, resonates with your soul, as it were? Uh, I went to Addis Ababa. Um, yeah, I would, I would gladly go back there. Uh, and and, and yeah, any highlights? Yeah. You want to just, uh, you know, uh, whet our appetite about, about Addis? First, I thought Joburg was big, but then when I went to Addis, yeah, it was a, a culture shock for me. But also just the way people live differently from the way that we live. And, and, and the realization that our way is not the only way. So, so for me, that was a, a big eye opener. And I will, I will urge people to, to visit the other parts of the continent and the rest of the world and, and see how people live and how they live differently. And as South Africans, we've been, you know, held in, in our own country for, for a long time. So I, I would urge anyone to visit, especially outside Southern Africa, because the other Southern African countries tend to be similar to, to our own country. So go out there, East Africa, West Africa, North Africa, Central Africa. I would say those are the four regions that one would, would should visit and, and, and understand the continent better. Uh, hence, you agree with the former president's uh, uh, you know, noble um, poem, that you owe your being to the hills and the valleys, the mountains and the glades, the rivers, the deserts, the trees, the flowers, the seas, and the ever-changing season that define the face of our native land. Amen to that. 
Amen. I agree. <laughs> Thank you very much, my brother. Well, welcome once again. Um, as I indicated, as I indicated earlier, I think, you know, the, 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 the very, uh, our departure point is pretty much informed by the current, um, you know, environment that we've seen in the Zondo Commission or the testimonies that were brought to bear in the Zondo Commission. I'm particularly quite interested in the, you know, the clear testimonies. Uh, that, in my view, are not questionable or are rather credible. Not questionable, but the level of credibility is is quite high. Uh, uh, for an example, we've picked up last week that um, you know the, the the one of the travel agents by the name of Travel Excellent uh, was doing transactions on behalf, you know, of 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 Museveni uh, Zondo Amzwani as well as um, you know as well as Koko. You know, who used to be the former uh, CEO at OSCOM. And we've picked up, you know, when you hear the testimony of an, of a travel agent to say, I received 100,000 rands, uh, or I got an instruction from, uh, this particular individual who had asked me to, to procure flights, tickets, accommodation, traveling, and so on and so forth, uh, from this particular indi- individual for you, and so on and so forth. And in the middle of that, you hear now the defendant, Koko himself, saying, well, first and foremost, Msebin Zwane was like, no, I gave my laptop or my podcast, my my, my tablet to a, a church member uh, or so on and so, and I was not aware that, um, you know, emails came through and so on and so forth. What do you make of that glaring discrepancies you know, I, 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 for, for me, I, I, I see that. I see the, the, sometimes what seems like blatant lies by, by, by witnesses in the, in the, in the commission. And I think it's to be expected because some of the evidence is just, um, quite overwhelming against them. And, and the only thing they can do is to deny that evidence. But I think there's a bigger picture here that we must not lose track of. Is after all this, are we then going to have a state that is not captured? And I think that for me is, 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 is even more important. Um, in other words, would this effort do enough to ensure that the state does not get captured again? Certainly not in the manner that it, it, it's, 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 it's been captured now. And the South Africa, if it, depending on how uh, uh, the honorable judge defines state capture, you'll realize that the state has been captured for a very long time. I mean, if you go back to 1948 and the National Party and the Brute Bond and, and all of that and how they were managed to place there, the same cadre deployment that people complain about in the ANC was done by the Brute Bond to the National Party. So, in that definition, that includes that. Then you will realize that if the state has been captured since that time, or at least since that time. So, so how do we find a way post this to have a state that truly represents the aspirations of the people, not just in terms of the elections, but in how it conducts its affairs on a daily basis? 
that for me is the is the is the is the bigger picture that that I think we we must not lose sight of. But I agree, the, the, some of the evidence is, is shocking at times, and some of the refutals are also shocking at times. So that 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 that's what's happening at the at, at, at there. But I think there's a bigger picture that, that we shouldn't lose sight of. No, no, thanks for that observation. Look, I mean, I don't think any person who is listening to the show tonight can and dis- can, can disagree with you uh, from, from from the bigger picture. Obviously, context is quite important, but I, I I'm quite I'm quite concerned by reference to to apartheid system, uh, which in my view potentially benefited majority. Uh, if the state capture or state capture during the apartheid system. Um, it does come across as the beneficiaries were a community as opposed to individuals. When you want to just oppose state capture during the apartheid system, you could see how the problem of the so-called white problem uh, was addressed. The state was captured, if you want to use the same metaphor, the state was captured to address socioeconomic conditions of the, of, of the Afrikaners. Sure. They yeah, the lives were bettered through state apparatus. All the state-owned enterprises uh, were used as conjoint or were used as instruments of normalizing, so to speak. So, so, so you you could almost see that the state instruments were used to as a as as as, as a pivot in trying to level the playing field. That much we could all understand. But I don't think the same thought processes is justifiable under the ANC rule in that the state capture so far has benefited a few. You know, to, to qualify my point, when the president was asked at the World Economic Forum how much was embezzled in the country, he was not sure, one. You know, the, the figures went from sure, sure. 400 billion to up to up to up to Trillion rents. There's no one in the party system that benefited from that kind of quantum, but you know, you know, accrued to individuals, the Guptas and their friends, and so on and so forth. So I, I, I don't, I don't think that uh, comparison, in, in my view, is sensible enough, unless I'm missing something. Your point on that as we proceed. No, the the, the simple point about it is that. The vast majority in both instances, the vast majority of the citizens, which happen to be black, have been excluded. That's the that's the that's the comparison. <laughs> it's fine. I mean, I agree that uh, in the in the apartheid system, the 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 purpose of the state capture might have been different. But it is, in my view, still state capture. And number two, it still excludes the vast majority of the people. And that's exactly what's still happening even to this day. The vast majority of the people are still excluded. So, so in that sense, what I'm trying to get to is, is we are 1948, maybe 73 years of rule and the vast majority of the people are still excluded. That, that for me is, is, is the common denominator between the two um, eras of state capture. And, 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 and that's why for me, I'm saying the, then the important thing as South Africans is post this, because it's also good that this is the first time it is properly investigated. Because it's never been this investigated before. 
So it's a positive thing to see it being investigated in the manner that it is. But as South Africans, we must fight for a, a period and an era where now the state is truly for the people. And there are no loopholes either to serve a certain section of the population or there are no loopholes to serve certain individuals within the population. And that is what I expect to be the outcome of this. The modalities might be different, the beneficiaries might be different, but the people excluded are the same. And that is the issue for me, that why I make the comparison. Because I think what makes it a bit acute in this era is that the promises, there's, there's been a promise, and I think that's the promise has not been truly fulfilled. The vast majority of the people continue to be excluded from meaningful economic participation. And that's the reality of the matter, regardless of who is in power. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I think, um, I do agree with your, your, your sentiments and I, the listener out there would pretty much agree. But if there are any other, you know, uh, descending voice of views, uh, do weigh in on 34519-061895-119. And of course, your, your thoughts, your, your thoughts, your inputs are also welcome via the Twitter handle, which is at Embellet Nimrod. But moving forward, one of the issues that you've raised, which I think is quite pertinent, is, is the, the investigations and the extent to which, um, the investigation opens up or give a sense of the magnitude. And I don't think the just the, the, the Zonal Commission, as it were, would have covered or addressed all the malfeasance that we know. But at least there's some level of investigations. But it is one thing to investigate. It is another to prosecute. From your assessment, based on these kind of testimonies, which majority of them, I find them credible, uh, you know, um, you know, so, and, and, and those that are not credible. Do you, do you think or believe that, um, what it is, what has been investigated is likely to suffer, surface in, 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 in a prosecution sense of the word? Because, you know, ultimately what South Africans are yearning for is to see justice. And justice cannot be seen to have been addressed or seen to have uh, come to the fore when proper prosecutions uh, would not have, uh, have, 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 you know, uh, uh, come about. So, so the question to you, and I, I suppose every listener tonight would want to know, you know, that you are investigating. Yes, we welcome the investigation. Nobody have comes about it, but ultimately we we are interested in the prosecution. From where you're sitting, what do you think? the likelihood of prosecution be on a basis of testimony, on a basis of uh, overwhelming evidence to a layman who's listened to the show or who has taken any interest in the state capture. Your perspective there? Uh, I, I think it depends on, 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 the, on the veracity and, and, and the ability of the police or the hawks to collect the kind of evidence that will be able to stand scrutiny in court because ultimately that that's what it must be able to do because if the evidence collected no matter how convincing it might be to me as a as a layman it, that's not enough for prosecution purposes for prosecution purposes it must stand 
scrutiny of the of the court of law. So I think that really depends on 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 two key institutions. One is the the the, the direct the ID, and then I think the other one is the hawks. And um, I I I'd be honest with you. There are still things out there in the commission about the very same hawks that are quite shocking. To hear that hawks from Bumalanga came and arrested someone in Gauteng, for me, those are shocking uh, revelations. About the very same hawks we expect to do the investigations and do them so thoroughly that they will be able to stand the scrutiny of court. So I, I, I'll be honest with you. And also there's been, I think, a bit of a delay in how some of these things uh, have happened. And there's not been, I think, for the longest time, an appetite from either the Hawks or the NPA to prosecute some of these some of these cases because some of them are blatantly criminal acts. And therefore they should have been investigated as simple criminal acts and, and the matter would have followed that very chain in the in the judicial system. So and that never happened. So I'm not sure, uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm not certain that that is going to happen. And I agree that the commission doesn't have prosecutorial powers. Uh, uh, and, and, and also I agree that it will depend on the quality of the report that has been done by the, by, by the, by the commission. But I, I'd that, also on, like to... Uh, on that note, perhaps let just, you know, holding your thought there because we're just about to pay our, you know, our rent. Uh, through commercials. Um, we're going to come back in a second. But before we go to the commercials, I want you to reflect on the very last point that you've just made, um, that the commission does not have prosecutorial or prosecuting authority, so to speak. Um, and, and, and the assumptions that we're making that the hawks and, and other institutions are not moving with, with speed that is required. While on that thought, let's take a break and we'll come back in a second. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back uh, to a second leg of the show. It is now 28 minutes to 7 o'clock. Time flies when you are really having fun, particularly when you are grappling with very complex and complicated um, social political issues um, as far as, as we are discussing with. If you've just joined us, I'm having a very interesting and robust conversations with, uh, not a son of the soil who's no longer a, who's no longer a, what's the word I'm looking for? A, um, a, a, who is no longer a foreigner to the show and who has become a friend to the show. (laughs) 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 Unachi. So, so. So, um, before we enter the show, before we enter the break, um, I beg your pardon, uh, the issues that I, that, that I wanted, you know, Unachi to apply himself on is, is the, the we, he acknowledged, um, that the NPA, I mean, the, the, the Zona Commission does not have the authority to prosecute, but in his view, uh, the, the prose- prosecuting institutions such as the Hawks ought to have made strides on what is supposedly uh, vivid, if not clear, or crystal uh, cases. Um, you, your point on that as we wrap up this part, which I thought, uh, you know, we would not have done justice had you talked about it as we are approaching the, the, the uh, break. 
Yeah, like I said, sir, I, for me, I don't know if there was a way of ensuring that the commission has prosecutor, uh, prosecutorial pass, uh, powers. I, I don't think that was possible. But the importance of prosecutions is, 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 is in twofold. One is to ensure that the culprits have been brought to book. But a successful prosecution would also serve as a, as a disincentive for others in doing a similar kind of act uh, in the future. So it's, it's, it's importance and its climax nature is, is, is undoubted. In other words, all this would be, it'd be a huge anticlimax if there are no successful prosecutions of the people that have been found guilty of, of, of having captured the state for their own ends and not what it was intended for. So, so that, that I, 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 it has to happen. And I think really it's up to the leadership of, of, uh, of, of these institutions, of the Hawks, uh, of the ID and of the NPA to ensure that that happens. But I also agree that they mustn't rush to, to do these things. They must investigate properly and ensure that they don't just have prima facie evidence against someone, but they have evidence enough for a successful prosecution because that is important. I don't want to go back to what uh, having a prima facie case against someone does to, to, to this nation. So it's, 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 it's important to, 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 to ensure that you are able to successfully prosecute. And uh, of course, that is its own complications as well. But I think that is important. I could not agree with you more. But one of the issues that you just raised, Unati, that I think um, is quite critical uh, use the word anticlimax. Uh, you are saying to us, um, it will be, it will be criminal if the Zondo Commission would not wind up, uh, the, you know, wind up its job to a point where we see substantial, um, evidence or substantial, uh, resolution which yields or results in prosecutions of what you and I may feel as as, as cases um, that 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 has not only the case that goes beyond the prima, prima facie, but also um, having tangible, uh, you know, tangible outcome as it were. But but here's the thing that I want you to quickly reflect on, which uh, has been boggling my mind, and and I've had conversation over dinner and what have you with some of my colleagues across the across the spectrum. Um. The, the 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 question or the issue around the reconstruction. I mean, um, the, the the um, what's the word? Uh, the 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 um, when when you know, I think it was pre ninety four. When 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 we are all reconciling the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and investigations were done, but not much came out. You know, to warrant. Um, you know, that's why we still have some issues that are lingering. If you want to juxtapose the two big commissions because these are fundamentally huge commissions with um, you know serious ramifications for the, the, the political and economic consideration going forward. Um, what what would you consider as similarities or dissimilarities of the two biggest commission uh, uh, you know moving forward? And what basic what are the lessons uh, that you want us see that you'd want us to 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 draw from the Truth and Reconciliation Commission uh, and being applied 
in this in, in the current commission? You know, um, I think this is my sincere view. I think the TRC left us in no man's land. And what what do I mean by that? It neither led to the prosecutions that you are referring to, nor some form of mass um, 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 forgiveness or, 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 or amnesty of people. At the same time, it sort of succeeded in opening up some of the wounds without really offering any other alternative mechanism of addressing those wounds outside either amnesty or prosecution. For example, for example, you know, let, let's try and zero down our conversation to specific examples so that the listener out there could, could follow your thought process. For instance, I mean, the, 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 the issue of the death of Steve Beagle. I think that matter was hanging. I mean, I, I, I followed the case for other personal and family reasons and, um, I still don't understand what the conclusion is. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so there are many of such cases. Um, I mean, I can talk about many. There was one uh, MK guy called Mule Longono who disappeared and was um, was uh, was was reportedly kidnapped by some policemen on the on the in in Fixbeck and 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 Lady Brand somewhere there. But his family still doesn't know what happened to him. People came and and confessed to that abduction, but they didn't. They then say they don't know what happened to him. They they agreed they abducted him. But they don't know what happened to him. So even today, his family doesn't know what happened to Mbule Longono. So now I'm saying that to say, I I really hope and pray that Judge Zondo's uh, patience and willingness to accommodate all witnesses and be fair to everybody is laying a platform for a report from the commission that does not leave us in no man's land. And and give a robust report that gives us that takes us somewhere. That's my prayer because we need we need to be decisive. So so one of the comparisons I would make is that the Zondo Commission must not leave us in no man's land. And that takes me to the original point where I said beyond everything and all the shenanigans and all the difficulties and all the court cases and everything and all the evidence. Are we going to have a state that is formed and that state is really about the best interests of the people of South Africa? That is what an ordinary person, an ordinary South African is looking for. And I'm so glad that I think the commission is trying to look in all the uh, aspects of the, of the, on all the arms of the state. Uh, um, and, and, and I mean, some of the evidence has also been led against the judiciary itself. So it's not just the, the, the executive, but it's also parliament. There's also the, the judiciary. So one then hopes that at the end of that, we are not left in no man's land. We are not left with wounds, but there are no prosecutions. And, and I think that is a responsibility of all the state organs, including uh, the NPA, the ID and, and, and the Hawks. No, thank you very much for that observation, and I sincerely hope um, the outcome of the commission will not leave us in the so-called no man's land, which means we are precarious, we are neither this nor that. We need succinct clarity of, of, of thought, clarity of process, and clarity of actions.
in terms of what to from now. But Peshmibwal was still on this issue. And it was quite intriguing to hear the president of the country coming forth and giving testimony, uh, particularly around on the recent issue of state capture. Your, your synopsis of the president's uh, uh, testimony at the commission in his capacity as, as, the, as the president of ANC. I think an, an objective view of the reading of the, proce- of the proceedings of, of, of the commission, one quickly concludes that the ruling party is also under trial in the manner in which it has led the state, or at least the two arms of the state, you know, with the, the legislature and, and the executive. So, and the reality of it is that the party is the bridge to that state, certainly in the democratic dispensation it has been. So if you go to the commission and trash the party, then you are destroying the bridge that has been built to cross over and have access to state power. So I don't think, I didn't expect the president to, 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 to ban that bridge, um, at the, at the, at the, at the commission. Even though I think there's also overwhelming evidence against the party and how it has conducted itself. And the common denominator of a lot of the people that are accused there as members of the party. So, so in that sense, then I think it's, it's, it's expected that the president wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't ban that bridge. But I think really it's up to, to Judge Zondo to read between the lines and, and make his own independent conclusions about the evidence of the president and how honest and how forthright and how helping and helpful uh, the, 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 the evidence that he, the president uh, presented. And you might agree with me, you know, for you to have a successful prosecution, you, you need evidence. You don't just read between the line. You need something of substance. But anyway, let's, let's put, let, let's pass sure. that. Your, your, you know, your view regarding the, the, the suspension of the, well, the current, you still not former, the, you know, the, the Secretary General of the ANC, Isma Khashule, by the President and his subsequent, uh, somersaulting and now, you know, uh, suspending the president, and now we hear the National Working Committee of the ANC is deliberating on the papers that were served by Mahashule to the party. Your brief comment on that? Yeah, I, I look. I mean, I for me, it's really like I think it's an internal party factional fight. Um, unfortunately, the the sparks of that are affecting how the the state is run because that's the ruling party. But I, I, I'm just looking at it from, if you look at it purely from a legal perspective, you, you get a different opinion. But if you look at it from a political perspective, I, I, to some extent, understand, um, the general secretary's dissatisfaction with how things have unfolded. And, and for a number of reasons. I don't necessarily agree with his actions, but I understand maybe his frustration. I think I don't have to speak about uh, the president and, and, and other people. No, no, but, but for but, me, but, but but please just illuminate us because I'm quite I'm quite in, I'm quite interested in hearing your thoughts, your yes, sympathy thoughts. No, no. Towards well, the, yeah. yes. I mean, for example, um, there's evidence certainly within the party that the manner in which the decision was made on. The conference in 2017 was influenced by funding, which is not the tradition of the party. So I think he might have the view that the conference was bought 
And the people that bought the conference are now telling him how to behave. In other words, he's being suspended by people that themselves got into the leadership of the party in a manner that is unbecoming of the party. So I think he's maybe he's aggrieved uh, because of that. Secondly, I think he's aggrieved because there are many resolutions from the conference that have been made that affect the, the, the economic uh, status of people and affects the public in a more meaningful way. That don't seem to be prioritized. But the one that seems to be prioritized is the one that has to do with people stepping aside. And, 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 and that might create a bit of dissatisfaction in him. Of course, also there's an issue of dividing opinions within the party of whether the step-aside rule is according to the ANC constitution itself and whether it's according to the constitution of the country. So I think that's where I think this creates a bit of a problem, a real problem for the party, because I think if the general secretary didn't have any basis whatsoever to stand, I think then the party wouldn't be worried because then that would be a simple matter to deal with. I think this is a big problem purely because I think he has some valid points that if he goes to court, there's a chance that he might actually succeed. And what happens then when he succeeds in, 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 in court? But be that as it may, I still think that these are internal party issues that have a, a knock-on effect on how the country is run. And unfortunately, it's an unfortunate thing that, that it has come uh, to this, an organization that has over 100 years of heritage has now been reduced to factions and individual pursuit of power. And, and, and that's completely, completely unfortunate. As unfortunate as it be, um, but Asona personally picked his brains on the two things that you've just made, which I don't necessarily agree with. And I'm sure what the listeners have their own views here. The step aside rule, it has got nothing to do with the constitution of the ANC, nor the constitution of the, of the Republic. Okay. It has got to do with the resolution which the party deemed it necessary or required to bring stability and, 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 and a posture of positivity amidst corruption and malfeasance, which has been grappling the party. So you can't tell me when we are embroiled in cancerous characters, which are, 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 are counter-revolutionary insofar as taking an organization forward. We need to go to the constitution. We need to go to, when we're making a determination to say, for those that were found wanting or, or, or implicated in scandals, they should step aside. And Mahashin was part of that committee. He endorsed the very same principle. You can't come back and say, um, he's got a, he's got a valid points. He has valid points, uh, another here or there, but the resolution stands. It, it cannot be that when you are party, it's like sitting in a, in a, in a sitting in a, in a board meeting. We take a resolution that we're going to apply section 138, you know, of, of labor relations in so far as downsizing. Sure. You are part, you're part of the, you're part of the, of, of the board. You take the resolution and approve it or endorse it for reason known to yourself that an organization is going through financial difficulties, you know, and, and, and at this current point, we, we, we either face liquidation 
or we, 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 we let out, we, 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 we dismiss people or we retrench people. You are very much aware of those facts. And when you go outside and bring other issues that got nothing to do with what is the best interest of the organization, you're, you're partly short on that issue. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about the SABC board example where there was a voting on a certain matter of, and, and, and there was a split among the board members and some board members expressed their dissenting view publicly. So, but for me, the, 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 if genuinely you are seeking, and I'm saying it from an ethical perspective, your issue is not people, your issue is the practice. And that's what you've always wanted to do. Then this resolution, and I think that's his view, should have been applied as quickly as possible. Not wait for him, because that's his argument. And it does, on the face of it, look like that. That post his, um, post him being charged, then there was an acceleration of the implementation of the step aside rule. So, now that creates allows the party to be interpreted in many ways. Whereas when you genuinely want to deal with malfeasance, you act in a manner that is beyond reproach, such that you can't be interpreted in many ways. While his argument also is that the resolution at the conference is materially different to the resolution of the NEC. I don't know. I can't give a view onto that because I don't have, I have only one document, I don't have the other one, so I can't verify that. But if his point is that the other one is materially different from the other one, then something is wrong if he's right. So, so what I'm saying is, if you want to deal with malfeasance, then deal with malfeasance and do so sincerely. And, and, and then, then, then he has no leg to stand on. I'm also not for him not to face the music. If he's done something wrong, then let him face the music. But as an audience... They, they, they again, agree with you. They agree with you, Unachi. I mean, if he's done something wrong, but, you, you know, you, you, can't, you, can't, you can't have devil standards. Uh, we're going to pack this issue because it's quite heated, and unfortunately, we, we, we ought to have uh, tackled another issue which we, we want to justice on um, because we have run out of time. Um, but, but my final parting shot on this particular issue is that you, you, you can't play double standards. You can't play victim. When you were the, when you were the orchestrator or the architect of resolutions, period, you know, you can't come back and, and make noise. But anyway, you and I will have a, a conversation further. I'm sure listeners want to hear your thought process even further. But the last point that I want us to, to raise literally in two minutes, uh, is the, the, the whole issue of, of the, you know, Africa trade, because we're not, we don't, we don't, we can't talk about, you know, uh, uh, we can't talk about decolonization when we're not pushing the trade uh, 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 in the manner that we, we, we ought to be pushing it. Uh, we're currently sitting at about 80, 20% vis-a-vis 80% of Europeans. So so I, one issue that I wanted to, to reflect on is the role of the media in changing the narrative of Africa from a trade point of view. Your, your view on that, literally in two minutes. Well, I... For me, I, I always see the, the role of the media in any sector or reporting on any sector as being to report the truth. And I think the challenge we have uh, in in this uh, intertrade within or intertrade within the continent is whether, as individual countries, we are ready for such. And when let's say, I mean, for instance, now Africa only constitutes three percent of the entire world's GDP. 
out of that 3%, how much of that belongs or is influenced by multinational companies? So when you open the trade between the different countries, who is likely to take advantage of such? And in countries, and I want to say that in countries where the economy is dominated by multinational companies, they are the same companies that are likely to take advantage of that more than the ordinary people. Besides, my view is we need to create or to have a better understanding of what, what are the real causes of the low economic size, low economic growth, and the exclusion of many people in the continent. So so I, I, I don't always see the relationship between those problems and inter-trade between the African countries on how that will solve the problem. Because in some instances, there's going to be some form of cannibalization between the different countries. And when no, that but, but, cannibal... But, 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 but Unachi, I don't think... I, I think you're missing the point here. I mean, for an example, you know, we in South Africa, yes. I keep, we, we're importing toothpick. Honestly, are you saying to me none of the, you know, uh, factories in 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 uh, Siska, in in uh, in the Eastern Cape, in the Free State can produce toothpicks? You know, there's so many basic things that we're importing uh, that that of course got nothing to do with 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 multinationals. We, we just got to do with policy rigor and the extent to which leadership has to be forthright. Honestly. No, that's why I was saying that we need to ascertain how much of what is happening in the GDP is controlled by multinational companies. In other words, there was an acknowledgement that some of it is not, and therefore that portion of the GDPs that is not is the, where the scope of intertrade or intertrade, depending on or what level do you pitch it, is. But that scope is small if the bigger part of the GDP is already controlled by multinational companies. 